Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments together. Uh, I do want to say, uh, if you haven't yet discovered this application called the Version, I uh, would like to encourage you, download that on your phone or on your device. Uh, you'll find just about every translation of the Bible uh, that could interest you, all kinds of reading plans and topics, video clips, and you will find a complete set of notes uh, by looking in the drop-down menu under events, search for Arlington FM Church. Well, uh, this is an epic weekend for us. We are in the very last uh, of a message series we have called Dawn Treaders. And it's uh, been an amazing journey through Paul's incredible letter to his friends in Rome. And by the way, if you missed uh, the previous uh, teachings of this series, uh, would also like to encourage you in your podcast app, uh, you could search for Arlington FM Church and find uh, the complete set of teachings uh, for this and many more of our message content uh, right there uh, under Arlington FM Church uh, in your podcast app. Well, uh, uh, as we come to the end of uh, Paul's teaching uh, in the book of Romans, uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, landing a plane. I, my brother-in-law was a pilot, a commercial airline pilot for quite a few years, and he said uh, flying is like 10 minutes of on the edge of your seat excitement uh, with about uh, unlimited hours of boredom in between. And he said all that edge of your seat excitement is uh, taking off and landing. And uh, I thought of my brother-in-law this week when I saw this picture of a plane trying to land at Heathrow Airport. Uh, they had some pretty intense crosswinds. Uh, the plane uh, started uh, turning in ways it wasn't intended to. And fortunately enough, they had enough uh, airspeed where they were able to jam the engines and get underway again and try it again. Well, uh, I believe Paul has a much better landing uh, for this uh, set of messages out of uh, his letter to Rome. And uh, in fact, today's message is called Where Faith Grows. And it's really, uh, it's the end game. It's where Paul is, is uh, taking uh, his readers and us uh, in this journey of faith is what kind of conditions allow faith to, to grow and and to have the kind of impact in the world that God promised Abram it would, that he would raise up many descendants simply through this response of faith uh, to the revelation uh, of God's self in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, uh, I had a friend who uh, took a trip to Nashville, and uh, they stayed in the Grand Old Opry Hotel. Maybe you've stayed there before. But he said on his trip, it was 105 degrees outside, but inside the Grand Old Opry Hotel, he said it was five acres of climate-controlled comfort. And uh, outside was like the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel, heated seven times its original temperature. He said people were getting singed. Uh, they were frying in the scorching heat. But inside, the weather was fine. And as he and his wife walked through this incredible indoor uh, hotel setting, his wife said to him, honey, this is kind of like our church. And he looked at her and he said, well, what do you mean? This looks nothing like our church. And she said, no, 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 no. Uh, like our church on the outside in the world, it's hot, it's searing, there's fires raging, uh, people are getting scorched. But inside uh, our church, the climate is wonderful and people are flourishing. Well, I want you to know 
I believe that's God's will for faith. It's God's will for people of faith. It's God's will for uh, movements of faith, for communities of people who follow Christ, is that uh, we would set the climate, uh, that somehow uh, through our lives, others would experience God, that faith would literally flourish uh, in our midst. In fact, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, one of the first descriptions of the early church, uh, because of the climate that existed in this community of faith, we're told that God added to the church daily those who were being saved. And see, there was something that took place uh, among these followers of Christ that allowed faith, seeds of faith, to, to flourish in others as they came into their own personal experience uh, with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I heard a phenomenal uh, illustration of this uh, this week. It, uh, I read the story in National Geographic about a Russian team. They discovered a, a seed catch of, of seeds uh, in the permafrost in Siberia. Apparently, an Ice Age squirrel had hid these seeds uh, near the bank of a river. And uh, carbon dating confirmed that the seeds were thousands of years old. Well, something amazing happened. They took those seeds and they planted them. And uh, these seeds are uh, drawn up out of the earth 124 feet below in this uh, frozen uh, tundra. These uh, seeds actually survived. And then when they were planted in the right conditions, they grew. And uh, here's the truth. Uh, there are seeds of faith that exist in the hearts of many people. And uh, God wants to create the kind of conditions that allow those dormant seeds to come alive, uh, to bear fruit, and to grow, and to produce life. Um, you know, uh, I came to Christ, came to faith uh, in the mid-70s, and it was at the tail end of what people called the Jesus Movement. And interestingly enough, uh, that movement was catalyzed by a very chaotic decade, the decade of the 60s. And I happen to believe that uh, we're in a time where another movement of faith is, is being catalyzed. We've gone through some challenging times, but always God's intention is to reveal himself, to make himself known, to draw others into a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, here's the thing. It takes the right environment. It takes the right sort of communities uh, that can uh, draw seekers, uh, people who are perhaps living without God, to come and find him uh, in their midst. They can be like those seeds that uh, may be dormant uh, for a lifetime, and they come alive in the right environment. Well, uh, Paul addresses those kinds of issues as he brings his letter to a landing and uh, wants to tell us uh, what kind of environments allow faith to come alive and to grow. And uh, his words may surprise you. Uh, here's what he has to say. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. Accept the one whose faith may be weaker than yours, may, may seem non-existent, may seem dormant, uh, without quarreling over disputable matters. And Paul goes on uh, to talk about what some of those disputable matters were uh, in the church he was addressing. He says, look, uh, one person's faith may allow them to eat anything, uh, but another whose faith is weak 
eats only vegetables, and you're going, wait a minute, why is Paul addressing dietary concerns? Well, for this church and this time, uh, he's addressing uh, people who were followers of the Jewish religion, uh, the Old Testament, as God revealed himself, they had come to Christ, uh, but they were still following uh, the Jewish ceremonial laws. They were still following the traditions of what was acceptable to eat and what was not. And uh, it was causing division in the church. Uh, their traditions, their priorities, their preferences were clashing with those who didn't share those same traditions. They shared faith in Jesus, but they had a different way of expressing that faith. Uh, Paul goes on, he said, look, the one who eats everything uh, must not despise or treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Uh, what's Paul saying? He's saying, look, uh, most of us have different ways of uh, expressing our faith in Christ. We have different traditions. And uh, Paul, right off the get-go, he says, you want uh, faith to flourish? Uh, learn to be okay with each other's different perspectives and opinions. In fact, uh, he will say this, and uh, with a question, uh, who are you then to judge someone else? Uh, someone else's servant to their own master, servants will stand or they will fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. And so uh, Paul, in these opening words, uh, really gives us the element, the first element that allows faith to flourish, that sets the climate, that, that creates an environment where people who may be distant from God can come and discover him. And I would say very simply, that first element is this. We accept people. We learn to accept people uh, for who they are, for where they are, for what they believe and what they practice and what they don't practice. We simply learn to accept and not judge people. Um, and it doesn't mean that truth is up for grabs, but what it means is that we don't, we don't make agreement necessary for relationship. Uh, we don't make uh, alignment with our belief systems a pre-qualifier to be in relationship with people. Uh, Paul says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. You know, uh, I, when I read that verse, I thought, well, what would the opposite of accepting one another whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters? And uh, I translated it like this. You might call it the new trashy translation. And it would say, reject everyone whose faith is slightly different from yours and argue over every possible disagreement. And uh, I, I think uh, those of us who've tried to walk with Christ over the last few years could identify uh, with that mistranslation of what Paul is trying to communicate. You know, that word accept is a profound word. It's filled with, uh, with amazing truth. Uh, here are some of the nuances of the word that Paul uses when he says, accept one another. It, it literally means to, to take to oneself, uh, to receive. Uh, it signifies uh, taking an interest, welcoming uh, others. Uh, secondly, to take as one's companion. Wow, we've, we've taken a major step forward there. It's uh, not just acknowledging people, but taking them on as companions. Uh, 
to take by the hand, and then uh, this uh, next nuance, to receive into one's home with the idea of expressing kindness to them, uh, to grant one access to one's heart. Wow, you can see that we're really opening the gates wide to others, and then finally to take into friendship. And uh, when I read uh, the, the, the meaning of the word that Paul uses, uh, my thought was, are you kidding me? If we only did this, we would rock the world. If we only learned to accept others uh, really well without judging uh, another one's servant, uh, welcoming people into our hearts and into our homes, uh, we would set the kind of environment that people flourish in, uh, that dormant seeds of faith come alive. You know, this word acceptance uh, is the same word that uh, uh, the writer of the book of Acts used in Acts 28 uh, to describe the welcome that Paul and his companions received after they'd been shipwrecked. Uh, Luke simply writes, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and they welcomed us. There's that word acceptance because it was raining and cold. Uh, what a a concrete description of the kindness that these island folks extended to Paul and uh, his companions. They were a pretty sordid bunch. Uh, they'd been lost at sea for weeks. Uh, they'd been shipwrecked on the rocks. Uh, many of them were criminals, as was Paul himself, a prisoner. And uh, they made their way to shore, and uh, they experienced uh, acceptance uh, from these people. And what an amazing picture uh, that's really another, uh, another word picture of the world that we live in. Uh, people are going through storms. Uh, people are being battered uh, off course. Uh, people are trying to get their bearings. In some pa uh, cases, people are crashing. Uh, people are in survival mode. And uh, we have the invitation at the end of this incredible letter of, of faith uh, to welcome and to accept others. We can be those communities of faith uh, where people can believe differently and yet be received uh, as friends, be brought into our hearts. Uh, you know, uh, Mother Teresa said, uh, I will do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. And uh, I really believe this idea of acceptance, it really comes down to one-on-one. -on -one. It's, it's the choices we make uh, to welcome others uh, into our lives, regardless of where they've been, what they've been through, and uh, what they may uh, believe about God. We can welcome them, take them on as companions. Uh, you know, uh, someone uh, in our congregation started a, a new outreach ministry several months ago. They called it simply the Tiny Blessings Boutique and uh, used a couple of uh, spare rooms uh, here on our church campus uh, filled those rooms with clothing and uh, strollers, bassinets, uh, just about everything new moms could uh, need for their babies. And then uh, put the invitation out. And uh, over the ensuing weeks, uh, we've had dozens and dozens of uh, moms uh, coming from all kinds of circumstances and situations. And uh, they schedule appointments. They come in. They have the place to themselves. They can take anything and everything they want at no cost. And uh, I've known from observing uh, that when each of these moms come, come in, they're doted over, they're welcomed, they're taken in, they're accepted, 
and uh, there's no questionnaires. And nobody's scrutinizing what they believe or where they're from. They just are invited to take what they need at no cost. And I think that's a wonderful picture of the kind of acceptance that uh, Paul is inviting us into. Uh, you know, uh, I happen to believe that acceptance uh, has a name. It, that name could be Jesus. Jesus personified and lived out this kind of acceptance that Paul is inviting us to extend to others. And uh, Jesus took people uh, to himself with special interests. He welcomed uh, people as companions and friends. Uh, he took them into his life. He, he joined them uh, in their lives. Uh, the word became flesh and lived among us. Uh, you know, we had a friend who um, uh, we invited uh, when she was in college to come live with us. And uh, she spent a couple of years in our home, helped us uh, raise our new kids. And uh, it was only after uh, journeying with this young lady for years that uh, she disclosed to us that she had an eating disorder that uh, no one knew about uh, but her, and she was very good at keeping uh, it hidden. And uh, finally, after years of uh, this growing friendship with us being a part of our family, she disclosed to us uh, this incredible um, self-sabotaging uh, habit that she'd fallen into. And uh, that was only part of our journey with her. And uh, now, happy to say she's been liberated from that disorder. In fact, as a therapist working with adolescents, and uh, you know, uh, those kinds of stories don't happen unless someone uh, opens their heart, opens their home, uh, takes them by the hand, allows us uh, to become friends and companions. And uh, Paul is saying, look, you want to establish the kind of environment where faith flourishes, where that dormant uh, faith in people's lives uh, can come, uh, come alive? We'll start here. Start by accepting people. In fact, uh, Paul will say in the very next chapter, he says, look, uh, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And so uh, here's the motive. We accept others the way Christ has accepted us because that's what glorifies God. But then hear this so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs that God would raise up many generations might be confirmed, and moreover, so that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. What's Paul saying? This is how faith spreads as we accept uh, people that may be distant from God, in this case, Gentiles, uh, we accept them regardless of their faith practices, their opinions, their preferences, uh, so that uh, they too may experience God and glorify him and uh, experience his mercy. Uh, see, this is how faith spreads. I, I took a walk yesterday. I call it my urban hike and uh put six miles uh, on my shoes. Uh, but I noticed midway in my walk that I had a toe that really started uh, hurting. And uh, come to find out, I had a, maybe this is too much information, but had a toenail that was becoming ingrown. And uh, the, the more I walked, the more I traveled, uh, the worse my toe felt. And uh, that's a very earthy illustration 
that things become in, ingrown are not healthy. When things turn inward, uh, they die. They hurt. We, we can't get where we'd like to be. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that inward turn uh, of the church is the opposite of what Paul is calling us to uh, create those kind of environments where faith flourishes as we accept uh, one another the way that Christ has accepted us. Well, uh, uh, he goes on uh, to, to describe more of the elements of the kind of environment that allows uh, faith and others to grow. Uh, he says uh, in verses 5 through 13, uh, almost as if to say, look, here's the deal. Uh, one person uh, considers one day more sacred than another. That's their preference. And another considers every day alike. That's their faith. They believe that uh, God is the God of all days. Each of them, Paul says, should be fully convinced in their own mind. In other words, your convictions should be just that, your convictions. And uh, settle it in your own mind, Paul says. And uh, he goes on, uh, to talk about uh, the way we carry our convictions. He said, look, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Well, what's Paul saying? He's saying, look, uh, your devotion, whatever form it takes, it should be done with gratitude towards God. It shouldn't be this anger-producing labor. It should be a labor of love and an expression of gratitude, whether you eat certain foods or don't, whether you declare some days sacred or all days the same. Uh, whatever your traditions and your preferences are, live them out before God and not as standards uh, to put on others. He goes on, he says, For look, none of us lives for ourselves alone. Uh, we're not just here to please ourselves. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So uh, he's reaching a conclusion here now. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to Jesus, to the Lord. And now, for this very reason, Paul says, Christ died. He returned to life so that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. Uh, what's Paul saying? He's saying, look, the very reason Christ gave his life and rose from the dead is to have a relationship with us and that we don't have to uh, dictate, determine uh, how it is we will now earn our way to God. Uh, it's already been earned. Uh, Christ made that available. And he's saying, look, uh, really all that God is asking is for you to live uh, responsively uh, to the lordship and the presence of Jesus in your life. Uh, he kind of finishes this part of his uh, uh, exhortation. He says, you then, uh, knowing that uh, the reason Christ died and rose again was so that he could have a relationship with people and transform their lives. Paul says, you then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? And why do you treat them with contempt? For the truth of the matter is, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then, here's this conclusion. Each of us will give an account of our own lives before God. Therefore, let's stop passing judgment on others. Uh, interesting 
landing that Paul's bringing this uh, phenomenal letter where he talks about faith and justification and sanctification and uh, all of us being lost in sin and redeemed through the finished work of the cross and becoming children of God and living out this eternal purpose of God in our lives. And one of his landing points is uh, accept one another and stop passing judgment on others. Uh, you know, uh, he's addressing our religious practices, the things we're devoted to, the habits that we keep that uh, keep us in relationship with God. And uh, here's the truth that Paul would address. Uh, religious practices are good if they lead us to that place where we are responding to the leadership of Jesus. Uh, all of our religious practices are good things if they uh, lead us closer to the Lord who died and lives again to be in relationship with us. Uh, but too often, here's the case, uh, our practices, our habits, our traditions don't lead us to that place where we're responding to the living presence of Jesus. And too often, uh, they become standards that we think are not just for us, but to be put on others. And uh, Jesus said this, uh, you don't need to put those habits and those practices and those preferences on others. Uh, in fact, uh, if you do, it's kind of like trying to put new wine in old wineskins. It, it just doesn't work for everyone. And uh, as we've heard from the start, Paul is saying a huge aspect of responding to the leadership of Jesus uh, is to stop judging and condemning others. I, I would say it like this. Uh, it's kind of like um, our focus is more on managing ourselves and caring for others uh, rather than the other way around, caring for ourselves and trying to manage and control others. So here, here's the second uh, element that allows faith to flourish. The first is accept people. The second is celebrate Jesus. That's really what Paul's thoughts are around is we celebrate Jesus as the one who transforms our lives. Uh, he's in the people-changing business. We are not. Uh, that's a very liberating truth when you get a hold of it. Is uh, He never called us to try to manage the lives of others. His words could not be more clear, and uh, Paul's teaching could not be more clear. Stop judging another servant. Uh, God's able to do that, and he's able to make them stand, and he will help them stand. Uh, here's another way to say it. Uh, less focus on lesser things and more devotion to the king of kings. That's uh, kind of a, a little lyric, uh, but it works for me. Uh, less focus on lesser things and more devotion to the king of kings. And then finally, uh, the third uh, way that Paul gives us that we can create the kind of environment that shelters others from the storms and the heat of life, uh, the kind of environment where seeds of faith can come alive and flourish and change people and families and generations. Uh, we accept people, we celebrate Jesus, and, and thirdly, we make it real. We make our response and our relationship with God real. Here's the way Paul says it, Romans 14, verse 17, uh, following. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of 
religious preferences or traditions or even th good things that uh, were specified at one time and we've uh, incorporated them into our lives. But Paul is saying this really isn't the heart of the kingdom of God. It's not about our preferences, about eating or drinking, but it's about this. It's about righteousness. In other words, God making us right with himself, God removing every barrier, God birthing us anew, making our spirits come alive towards him, all the things we needed to be in relationship with God. That's what the kingdom is about, and it's about peace. It's this a sense of complete access to the riches of God and experience, experiencing that peace in an unfolding way in our lives, and it's about joy in the Holy Spirit. See, it's about the, the kind of well-being and the happiness that emerges when we know we've been made right with God and we have access to all of uh, his resources and his riches and his kindness, and it produces this kind of joy that is overcoming and sustainable. And uh, here's what Paul says about this uh, real experience of God. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way, uh, two things are true of him. is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Uh, what an amazing uh, invitation. You know, stop uh, conducting our lives on the basis of our habits and our practices and our preferences and imposing them on others. And how about enter in for ourselves, experience the power of a right relationship with God, the peace that produces, the joy that overflows, and know this, as you're making that your focus and your aim, that is pleasing to God. He loves it. That's what he, he's all about. But it also receives human approval because when people see the real deal, that's what they're drawn to. That's what gives, uh, awakens hope and faith in others. And uh, so I would uh, just say this as we come to the landing point of Paul's amazing letter uh, to his friends in Rome is uh, you got to enter in uh, to make it real. You've got to uh, see the opportunity that Christ has put in front of us. Uh, I was talking with someone the other day and they were reflecting uh, on the words of Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will enter in. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And see, uh, we don't assume that this genuine experience of the kingdom is for someone else to talk to us about. We want it for ourselves. Uh, I remember a, a statement that one of my favorite uh, uh, theology professors uh, in my graduate program, he was a professor of the Old Testament, uh, Dr. Frank Spina, and uh, he spent his life uh, embracing uh, the Old Testament scriptures, uh, the history the literary structure, uh, the language, the original language, uh, it was immersed in the, uh, the message, the revelation of God through the Old Testament scriptures. And I'll never forget uh, one afternoon sitting in one of his classes, he, he made to me what was an amazing observation. He said of his decades living in the Old Testament scriptures, one of the, the big lessons of, of that part of the Bible, the, the books of the Old Testament. Here's one of the, the primary messages is that outsiders 
are only a response of faith away from becoming insiders. Uh, much like Abram, uh, who was an outsider, and uh, one day he had a thought, uh, God is my shield and my great reward. And out of that, uh, God did incredible things, and that story uh, could have been retold and replicated uh, with a widow, a foreigner, uh, a king who had leprosy, and on and on and on, that outsiders are only a response of faith away from becoming insiders. But then the other side of that coin, a coin is that insiders, those who assume uh, that they are on God's good list, they're only a hardening of heart away from becoming outsiders. Uh, it's a sobering reality, but I happen to believe that it's true. And uh, Paul, in his uh, letter to the Romans, uh, would invite uh, his friends uh, to not be on that side of the equation that uh, assumes that they're on uh, God's special list when they're, when they're not responding to God in spirit and in truth. You know, Jesus told a story. Uh, he, it was about uh, 10 uh, virgins who were uh, part of a wedding party, and uh, they were awaiting uh, the rest of the wedding party to arrive, waiting for the groom to arrive, and uh, they took lamps with them. And uh, five of them uh, brought oil for their lamps, extra oil, just in case uh, the bridegroom delayed. It came in the, the wee hours of the morning. And five of them uh, kind of assumed that they would be fine, and they didn't take extra oil for their lamps. Well, the bridegroom delays, according to the story that Jesus told. And when he arrived, um, five of them were out of oil, and they immediately went to the, the five who had oil, extra oil, and said, quick, give us some of yours. And uh, as Jesus spins this tale, he says, no, the five who had oil said, uh, we can't. You've got to go get your own. And uh, as they took off to replenish their supply, uh, they missed the wedding. And uh, Jesus told that story because he wanted to make a point. Uh, no one can choose to experience the, the realities of the kingdom that Christ opened up to us. But you and I, we get to choose for ourselves. Our convictions get to be owned by us and lived before God, and we get to choose. You know, Jesus, one of the biggest issues he confronted in his earthly ministry was called hypocrisy. In fact, he said to his followers, beware, be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And, and it was, uh, in a nutshell, hypocrisy was play-acting. It was pretending to be open to God, but not really receiving from God, not really uh, allowing our hearts to draw close to God. Uh, Jesus said, uh, here's some of the signs of hypocrites. Um, we, it's all about outward religion, but there's very little inward change and growth hypocrisy. He said uh, the Pharisees love to heap burdens, standards, procedures uh, on others that they have no intention of carrying themselves. Uh, it's like passing laws uh, to heal societies without doing anything to help the broken people within those societies. And uh, when Jesus came uh, to the end of his public ministry, he, he made these uh, rather sobering uh, statements. He said, these people are always hearing, but they're never learning. 
They're never understanding. Uh, they acknowledge me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And, and see, if we want to create environments where life flourishes, where faith grows, where people can uh, find refuge from a harsh world, shipwrecked, uh, where seeds that are long dormant, seeds of faith can come alive, uh, then we, uh, we respond uh, to Paul's invitation. Uh, we accept people. We celebrate Jesus as the living Lord who alone can change our lives. And we make it real for ourselves. We choose to enter in. And uh, I would say this uh, as we go to prayer. Uh, if we will uh, aim at uh, those elements uh, together as a people, as individuals, as fathers, as mothers, as spouses, as neighbors, as uh, co-workers, uh, that we will make it our aim to accept people the way Jesus has accepted us, that we will celebrate his living lordship and live our convictions before him to an audience of one, and we will do everything within our ability uh, to make our experience of God real in real time on a daily basis, uh, opening uh, our thoughts and our minds and our convictions to him, to his lordship, uh, I can guarantee you uh, we will experience these two things that Paul highlights at the very close of his letter. He says in chapter 15, uh, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I got to tell you, I don't know all that means, but it sounds really wonderful. And I know that when I'm living in that reality, uh, I experience peace as I trust in him. And uh, I experience the kind of hope that not only uh, encourages me, but brings his hope and encouragement to others. And then finally, uh, these words, uh, Paul just kind of uh, weaves in there uh, to finalize his landing point. Uh, chapter 16, verse 20, uh, Paul says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so as we make it our aim uh, to accept others, to celebrate Jesus, to make our experience of God's kingdom real, we can expect our lives to be filled with hope and joy and peace, and we can expect victory over the things that hem us in and hold us back. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we want to thank you uh, today uh, for your truth. Uh, thank you that your word is a, is a lamp to our feet. It's a light shining into our darkness. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, that you came, that you introduced a, a new day, Lord, that the, the, the darkness cannot overcome the light of who you are and what you're doing in the world. And, and we would just lean into your truth this weekend uh, Lord Jesus, and uh, Lord, teach us uh, how to live in these elements that allow faith to flourish, uh, allow people to find shelter and refuge, uh, that, Lord, you would teach us how to accept others the way you accept us, the way you stoop uh, to serve, the way you uh, offer your friendship, uh, the way that you uh, move toward us when we're running away from you. Lord, teach us how to accept others like that. And uh, Lord, uh, help us uh, to move away from this uh, making our preferences standards by which we judge others. And uh, Lord, let us liberate uh, ourselves 
from the need uh, to judge and condemn others and, and know that you're the life changer. And uh, Lord, you alone can transform people uh, into your glorious image. And uh, Lord, we would just uh, want your help in making our faith real. And that, Lord, you said it's, uh, it's the path that the farmer sows the seed on that uh, over time that path becomes hard. It becomes impenetrable. And we would just invite you, Spirit of God, uh, refresh our hearts, renew our minds, uh, make us receptive, open, yielded, willing, and ready uh, to be led and governed by you so that we can be led into your peace and into your victory. Maybe as you're uh, hearing this message, uh, you realize you've never really allowed Jesus to become your Lord and your Savior, but you know you want that. Uh, maybe you sense as we talk about uh, seeds of faith that are dormant, you're ready for yours to come alive. I would invite you, uh, pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud or agree in your heart. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for what I've heard about you. Uh, thank you for the way that you accept me. Uh, thank you for what I've heard about uh, your, your desire to welcome me in, to express kindness, uh, to take me by the hand. Lord, I want that. I need that. And so, Lord, I, I invite you in. Uh, your word says, uh, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in, fellowship with them. And uh, you're doing that right now. And I, I just would agree with that, affirm that. And I ask God that uh, by your spirit right now, uh, whomever uh, is expressing those thoughts, that they would sense your presence, that your spirit would abide with them, and that you would lead them into your truth, into a real and genuine experience of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.